Hello and welcome to the Ganatantra podcast. I am Sarayon Atrajan and I am Alok Prasanna Kumar. And in this week's episode, we are joined by Rahul Verma, purportedly from the Center for Policy Research, but we're not really sure. So I'm going to introduce the one from CPR and let's see how this goes. Rahul Verma is a fellow of at the Center for Policy Research. He is also a PhD candidate in political science at the University of California at Berkeley and his doctoral dissertation examines the historical roots of elite persistence in contemporary Indian politics. His book, which is a fantastic read and you must pick it up, is called Ideology and Identity: The Changing Party Systems of India. It is co-authored with Pradeep Chibber and develops a new approach to defining the contours of what constitutes an ideology in multi-ethnic countries such as India. His research interests include voting behavior, party politics, political violence and media. He is a regular columnist for various news platforms and has published papers in Asian Survey, Economic and Political Weekly and Studies in Indian Politics. Welcome to the podcast Rahul. Thank you sir you and thank you Alok for having Welcome. me here. Yes. I am indeed uh, Rahul from <laughs> CPR. <laughs> so so Rahul I think uh, as I mean just for our listeners to give you back all context we're continuing our discussion on federalism and state politics and um, rahul's book offers a very different perspective and a way to look at federalism and so on um and i thought rahul perhaps for the benefit of our viewers those who haven't read our listeners those who haven't read your book yet uh, perhaps a short four five summary of the main arguments that you and pradeep chigar pichabar make in this book would be a nice way to get going sure uh so pradeep and i in this book make four major arguments and 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 this is sort of like a summary of the book you mm-hmm. can just hear this and not read the book at all uh, but, but you should listeners <laughs> you should <laughs> we uh, refer it in the description yeah. Yeah. the first uh, argument of the book is that indian politics is deeply ideological right. uh, and for like last 7 decades voters seem to have ideology has played a big role in voters decision whom they are voting for mm-hmm. uh the second argument we make that this ideological conflict in indian politics is not same as the western uh, ideological conflict on left and right so i think for a long time uh, students of indian politics confused uh with uh, why doesn't uh, left right uh, conflict exist in india and everyone sort of concluded that there is no ideological conflict mm. what we argue is that because multi ethnic countries like india uh, most of these were sort of like uh, colonies uh, of european countries became a nation state overnight and that process of b- nation building involved conflict so if you read through the freedom movement documents constituent assembly debates it would be like it will take you a minute to figure out that our founding fathers and there were only few women in the constituent assembly i think uh, 15 yeah. uh, there were certain constant themes which they were fighting on uh, for example so many of the debates which we hear now uh, for example reservations or on cow slaughter or on what should be the basis of citizenship which is basically one of the hottest uh, debates at the moment these were some of the most important debates so pradeep and i identified uh, two axes on which ideological conflicts in india exist and using survey data going back to 1967 we show that this ideological conflict has remained stable over a period of time okay. the third point we make in the book that that political parties in india 
like their movement in the party system have been shaped by this ideological conflict right. so the rise of bjp is not like uh, something happening out of a sudden mm. uh, it's in, in in some ways a culmination of a historical battle that has been waged over the idea of india for 100 years and and similarly the decline of of congress party and simultaneous sort of like growth as well as decline of regional parties are part of this process of ideological conflict and so let, let me just start with that point because one of the things that um, always amuses me every once in a few months somebody on social media, media creates uh, creates or shares a link to this where are you on the political spectrum hmm. which involves questions which i mean when answering questions whether you agree disagree with various positions which i realize have almost nothing to do with india they're always about abortion or they're always about taxes or they're always about uh, art so there are some thing about cultural political economic wars in western nation so to speak but you made a very interesting point um, that there are two axes for india as well hmm. but and as you clarify first it's not the same as in the western countries but so what are these two axes and how do we under begin to even understand these axes sure so so two points uh, first one on the question of like you get these uh, sort of like messages to identify yeah. whether you where do you stand on these yes. issues so pradeep and i in this book basically also try to formulate what is an ideological conflict in electoral politics mm-hmm. right not all issues become basis of ideological conflict mm-hmm. so 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 we basically say one uh for anything to become ideological conflict because it is coming from ideas there has to be some sort of like intellectual debate mm-hmm. in favor and opposition so i don't know whether we have serious intellectual debate among political elites on the question of abortion so unless that that idea has some sort of like intellectual uh, uh disagreements you won't see that converting into an ideological conflict that's the first second it has to be sort of like stable over a period of time so each election may have a very different issue defining the contours of that election but that cannot become basis of ideological conflict if it has not been there for like many many elections or many many years so it there there needs to be stability third uh, it will translate into electoral competition only when masses care about it yes. right so there has to be channels of transmission from political intellectual elites to masses so masses don't have to understand the details of those those things but there must be some sort of like cues or heuristic devices so that this transmission can happen fourth which is very very important is that there has to be enough number of people on each side of the aisle right. unless there are enough number of people on each side of the aisle political parties are not going to take a stand on the issue mm-hmm. because it would be an electoral society so for example all parties in india try to be pro poor especially when they are in government given like you have 70 to 80% of the population which is not to well to do any party which is going to play the politics of middle class or upper classes mm-hmm. will be committing electoral suicide so any issue must meet all these four criteria to become a basis of ideological conflict mm-hmm. in our book the two axes which we come up with and and you have to also think uh, keep this in mind that we are making a historical claim right we're not saying this is going to be the future like these are yes. the two future axes uh-huh. so we are looking at the politics of 100 years mm-hmm. uh and 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 we first the first one we call it as politics of recognition okay. which is given the diversity of this country 
our founding fathers were fa sort of like contesting or debating about how you are going to accommodate various groups into the main body politics, right? Mm -hmm. How you are going to bring Dalits into the fold, Adivasis into the fold, uh, Muslims into the fold, what measures and mechanisms you are going to use. So, so there were debates over the question of 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 uh, uh, reservation or uh, whether India is going to have majoritarian tendencies. Those became the part of what we call as politics of recognition. Mm. The second scale we are, uh, call it politics of statism, and okay. here what like the distinction we make is that Indian political thought or subcontinental political thought has been very very different from Western political thought on the conception of state-society relationship. Oh. The subcontinental political thought has been that society, state is subservient to society. The role right. of the state is to protect the social order and emerge as the guardian of the social right. order. So what happens if there are going to be deficiencies in the society? Those who, those who sort of like are, are against statism, they would argue that the society is going to reform itself. Mm. Let me give you an example. So on the question of like, there was a problem of untouchability, right? Ambedkar or Nehru would want a law, mm. law of the state to solve the problem of untouchability. Mm. Gandhi would say, no, mm. we don't need a law. Yeah. I'm going to go back to the society and tell them this is wrong. Mm. We should basically reform ourselves. Mm. Similarly, on the question of, 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 of like property rights, right? Mm. Gandhi would say, I will make trustees, mm. right? There are going to be the guardians of the society, right. whereas... Nehru and others would sort of like want a socialist economy in that sense. So how much can state intervene in the society through laws to change social order was the second question. So the big debates that were happening in 1940s and 50s was on, on, on Hindu code bill. And that was basically state's intervention in social norms. So those are the two axes. So if you say the role of the state and say the politics of recognition, I suppose the two opposite ends of each axis would hmm. pa perhaps be something like most statist, hmm. those who believe, and, and it isn't libertarian. I hmm. think yeah, that I is think. what we have to make a very key distinction. Yeah. 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 It is not as if the persons who are against state intervention are talking about individual liberties. <laughs> they are saying society is fine. Yeah. Don't touch it. Or yeah. society will figure it out on its own. Yeah. So, so certain subcontinental political philosophy associated with this kind of thinking, yes. which yeah. is yes. not libertarian. Which is not yeah. libertarian, yeah. right? Yeah. So you have status and you have libertarian. Um, I wonder how we would see the opposite ends of the politics of recognition. Hmm. Is it is it that everyone is just their identity? Or is it that everyone is this national identity? Is that the way to make sense of that? No, so, polit so so basically the way we do is uh, politics of recognition have many indicators, yes. right? So uh, the question of affirmative action will become right. one. Right. Uh, the question of whether India should be a Hindu majority, like basically hmm. uh, the state policies should be in such a way that it should sort of like support Hindu view of, of politics. Hmm. Uh, hmm. How should you accommodate minorities? Should right. state be making special provision for hmm. uh, minorities or minorities should come on their own? Right. So some of these indicators become part of recognition. Hmm. And I see where you are sort of like hinting at. Hmm. Uh, uh, basically, the opposition to the recognition hmm. can come from two angles. Okay. One, one could be basically this individual libertarian yes. Uh, yes. ideas yeah. and one could be totally sort of like majoritarian, majoritarian. Uh, yeah. ideas. Yeah. yeah. And how does this play out at the state level? Because, or, or, or is there a sort of territorial outline by which these questions need to be considered? Um, I mean, is there 
you know, going to the four criteria of what you mean by ideology, um, you know, how do you draw the bounds of where you sort of look for ideology? Mm-hmm. I mean, sorry, just just to think about that in the sense, do we say that ideology is, um, I mean, uh, on politics of recognition, do they play out in the same way that they play out in, say, Tamil Nadu? as they do in Uttar Pradesh and how do we you know uh, account for these differences or yeah. want to take an even, even like, more extreme yeah. example an Uttar Pradesh and a Sikkim as I mm-hmm. always like to no yeah. this is a great question yeah. and I don't think our book fully answers this okay. and neither we made an ap- attempt to do okay. that okay. all we wanted to do is that there is a national framework mm-hmm. right and we do show that uh, I like ideological conflict played party system developments even yeah. states and I mm. can give you more example but I want to rather think like take this opportunity to think about the mm. question you asked I completely agree I think the uh, even if we sort of like want to push our logic mm. uh, we would be limited by the fact that the historical conditions in Tamil Nadu were very very different from uh, UP and so even if our scale exists perhaps the space would be very very different Absolutely. right both the electoral yeah, space and yeah, sort of the imaginary yeah. space and and, and 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 we can sort of like uh, like our position would be that we have sort of like tried to create a national framework uh, and someone should sort of like take this work in like different states and see where we where where our theory applies and where we we don't apply i think the model of recognition in tamil nadu is going to be very different huh. from kerala yeah. right yeah. like yeah. Uh, because i think uh, demography of of those two states differ and it will change the nature of debates that were happening in those two states huh. so there are going to be differences we are saying this is a broad model it may be applicable to some parts and uh, not. Yeah, in fact, I mean, one of the thoughts that immediately struck me was um, sort of identity politics in states in the south, right? Particularly Tamil Nadu, which is very strongly built upon an ident- like a Dravidian identity. And there's a lot of historical literature documenting how that evolved. Um, and so how that would fit within, within a frame that seeks to classify it as an ideological versus... And, and, and just to sort of like, uh, you would remember, uh, Sayu, this, the title of the book is ideology and identity yeah. right we yeah. know that uh, or or we at least are sympathetic to the view that ideological conflicts have roots in 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 various identities mm. so we don't deny the possibility of the, of, of something like yeah. that and uh, building on that point about uh, state politics itself uh, does that in some way tell us uh, perhaps why, say, the BJP ends up winning? I mean, this is, this is just been recorded a little bit mm, after mm, the mm-hmm. daily elections, about a week or so after the daily elections. So you may hear this much later, but it's a point that has been, that's been the source of much discussion. Mm. How is it that the BJP manages to so successfully win national elections? And some would say a UP election is actually a national election. Uh, <laughs> or the UP's nation. <laughs> UP, yeah. uh, and, uh, that's totally at odds with what the Tamils think about the, 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 the state Tamil. That's true, so. no, no, but that's the point. Uh, and but why do they say fail to the extent of? I think in Delhi the swing was twenty percent away from them. Almost mm-hmm. they twenty percent of their voters yeah. shifted within a year of mm-hmm. one election to the other, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and the same pattern has been repeated. We saw we saw it in Jharkhand. We saw it to a lesser extent in Maharashtra. Saw it to some extent in Haryana. Uh, and the opposite also happened. Uh, we yeah. saw that the BJP, which took a drubbing in Chhattisgarh and uh, a bit in Rajasthan and Madhya Pradesh, got a 15 to 20 percent swing in its favor mm-hmm. when the national elections yeah, took place. Yeah, wiping out every yeah. other political so, so, party. Like this, this is this is something that people have noted and observed. But does does ideology and identity help us understand this in some way? Sure. So let me sort of like take a step back mm-hmm. and 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 first answer 
the question of ideology's relationship with electoral politics. So the book is actually about party system change in India. So what we do is is trace the rise of BJP as well as trace the decline of the Congress Party from this framework of ideological conflict. In fact, like just to uh, because uh, we have lots of theories why Congress Party declines. Some people would argue organization. Some people would argue leadership. But the claim we make in the book is if that was true, we should have seen a very secular decline in Congress Party. Mm. There are state level variations in Congress Party's decline. So if you look at states like Madhya Pradesh, Chhattisgarh, Rajasthan, Himachal Pradesh, in all these places, Congress still does well. Who is Congress Party's principal competitor? The BJP. BJP. Yes. The reason Congress does well in those states because there is a clear ideological mm. sort of like uh, counter to Congress in those states. Mm. Congress actually is sort of like finished or 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 or, or is not able to rise in states. Like Tamil Nadu, hmm. like UP, hmm. like Bengal. What is the reason? In 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 Uttar Pradesh, how is Congress going to differentiate itself on the politics of Dalits or reservation? Right. Right. How is Congress going to differentiate itself from the politics of Dravidian identity hmm. or giving reservation in Tamil Nadu? So the claim we make: wherever Congress party gets squeezed between two centrist parties, Congress basically gets finished because it does not have regional rule. But hmm. where? Wherever it can sort of like clearly demarcate an ideological opposition, it does well. Hmm. So there is some sort of like ideological space playing hmm. a role in shaping up the party competition. Right. Now, coming to the question of basically why is BJP doing well in center but not in states electorally? So I think uh, there are a couple of points. First, uh, the rise of BJP in 2014. Uh, sort of like created an environment where for first few years they kept on winning other states right uh, even the states as well uh, so 2014 signaled the arrival of 20 uh, a, a, a sort of like fourth party system which is going to be led by bjp and the victory of them in 2019 confirms that we are in a fourth party system mm. and it's in some ways a dominant party system where bjp is the pole because the gap between BJP and the sec second is so large mm. that BJP is naturally like a dominant. It's not their hegemony or dominance mm. is not like the Congress of 1950s and 60s. And each model is different. So BJP's model in that sense is, is sort of like different, right? Mm. And all dominant party systems are built around certain characteristics. One, they have electoral dominance. So even in a state like Haryana, where pre-2014, this BJP didn't used to get even 10% of vote share, even if in alliance, they are coming back uh, second time. Yes. In Maharashtra, where they were party number four, they have become party number one, yeah. right? So, yeah, they might not have been doing what they expect they should be doing, mm -hmm. but they are in that sense electorally dominant. Mm -hmm. There is like all dominant party systems are also presided by a charismatic leader on the top. Mm -hmm. And charismatic leader doesn't mean that uh, it's like everyone has to like that leader. It's just like the charisma basically brings the popularity. Yeah. Uh, the third one is there is an organizational and resource advantage. Mm. So BJP has an organizational machinery at the moment, which is unmatched. And also they have money power and media power, which is unmatched. Mm. Much like Indira Gandhi's Congress in 1970s. Uh, mm. uh, and fourth, there is an, uh, a sort of like uh, ideological hegemony, right? Mm. Like... Even if BJP is losing states after winning the 2019 election, uh, you would see that 
all even opposition to BJP is coloured in its sort of like approach, mm. right? And we so, saw that so, clearly in Delhi. Yeah, so, yeah. so there is some sort of like oppositional, uh, there is some sort of like uh, ideological consensus emerging around the ideas that BJP has been sort of like propagating. Now, BJP is losing states one, there's of course like anti-incumbency cycle. So some of some, mm. in some of these states, BJP was in power, their governments didn't perform well and they are going to be voted out of power. What is, I think, happening is that Prime Minister Modi uh, commands so much of popularity and goodwill and, and, and uh, uh, that during national election, he has created a vote base of his own, hmm. which is larger than the party. Hmm. So what is happening that in the state elections, if you don't have a similar leadership, so so in the state election, so in the national election, BJP has a like a advantage or in the leadership uh, segment, which opposition parties enjoys in state elections, mm. right? So in Delhi, Arvind Kejriwal doesn't have a match in BJP. In 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 in, in Haryana, even BJP came back, but Hudda is a popular mm. person, right? Yeah. So 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 they are facing challenges over the leadership, and and I think at this point everyone should understand that economy is not doing well right and and econ when economy doesn't do well it pinches basically the lower segments of the society so this segment which is enamored by modi so even in india today mood of the nation survey which happened few months back people know and say that the economy is doing badly but when you ask them who do you think is going to improve it they again go back to modi so their hope is again on the modi so this segment basically goes back to modi during the national election and in the state election because there are like better alternatives they are voting for uh, opposition parties and also sending signals to the bjp that if you don't do well you are going to be sort of like in trouble i think something very interesting happening and and and, and all we have is sort of like now evidence emerging and slowly we'll have theories on this i think voter has started making a distinction between national and state election <laughs> so something in in seven and you can think of this in some sort of like in 70s or 80s Basically, people used to vote their chief ministers as if they were voting for the prime minister. So Congress <coughs> was winning. In in nineties, what happens? They were voting their prime minister as as if they and this is a famous sort of like quote by Yogendra Yadav mm -hmm. that uh, uh, they were voting their uh, prime minister uh, prime minister as if they were choosing sort of like chief minister. So you got a fragmented party system mm -hmm. between nineteen eighty nine to twenty fourteen. What has now started emerging? that voters have become either sophisticated or at least can make this distinction in national election there are different issues perhaps national security becomes important and other things we are going to vote on national issues national leadership it doesn't matter who's contesting in my constituency but when it comes to the state election because many of these benefits are delivered through the state governments they want to choose someone who's more approachable and those kind of things yeah well, and, and that's 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 fascinating because i think we saw the clearest evidence of this uh, in the recent Lok Sabha elections, which happened at the same time as the Orisha elections, yeah. where uh, the same person goes into the into the same booth, but makes two dramatically different, different choices, choices. Uh, depending on whether she is voting for uh, the national elections, where BJP did much much better, or for the uh, assembly said assembly elections, where the Biju Janata did much much better. Hmm. So it's 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 not even as if that they know that even though the campaigning for the two is happening at directly the same <laughs> time <laughs> on. Pretty much the same issues, right? Hmm. 
people are able to disentangle this message to be able to say no i know what i think while i would like the bjp to win at the national level hmm. i do think at the local level i want the bjd hmm. to do much better and even they they making the difference <laughs> of the last <laughs> point, point of the abbreviation can, can i make a quick yeah. point here yeah. uh, basically so this is like a well developed theory in political mm. science it's mm. known as split ticket voting yeah. mm-hmm. you are splitting your ballot yeah. uh, now what happens in india because we don't have simultaneous election odisha is only one example where you can see this yes. split ticket happening otherwise the last time i remember where people sort of like splitted their ticket i don't think the election happened simultaneously was karnataka 2004 where bjp did well in the parliamentary elections right. yeah. but jds congress alliance sort of like yes. won the yes. state yes. elections right. and and because now so the point actually i wanted to make we don't want to draw too much from uh, odisha example what might be happening and i don't mm. know whether this is happening or not is that there might be something happening to the turnout Mm. So the BJP voters in Lok Sabha, some of them might not be turning out, and mm. non like opposition voters who don't turn out in Lok Sabha are turning out. So mm. it might serve as a better explanation for that split ticket. Yeah, yeah. But you know, let's try and put this this series of election results in the ideology frame huh. that you brought up, right? Mm. If the idea is that at the national level, in some ways, there is a consolidation of like. ideology around what the bjp represents hmm. whereas the congress as you yourself said does well in states where it's in a direct ideological conflict with the bjp hmm. so you know madhya pradesh chatisgarh uh, rajasthan etc how do the two sit together because should it not also be happening at the national frame if not is the answer then the right boundaries for ideology uh, are the state and that's where you would think about questions of both recognition and statism in that sense uh, maybe and i'm i'm, I'm not i, I think uh, we haven't thought very hard on this question what should be the right boundary of ideological conflicts but see i think the point i want to make here ideological conflict like if if some party is taking advantage of ideological conflict and winning national election doesn't mean that they will necessarily win the state elections also right ideological conflict is not related to electoral victories or defeat it basically means the framing of the electoral battle or the debate right so the success of bjp i don't see like the, their ideological success not in terms of whether they're winning and losing election of course a party wants to win election but they have shifted the discourse of indian politics Correct. it has now formally moved in center right even despite losing elections mm. and i think this uh, is since we recorded about a couple of days after this incident has happened and it is a very interesting set of reactions that came across in karnataka hmm. uh, after that uh, one uh, lady shouted pakistan zindabad hmm. on in that particular public platform you had the congress leaders also rush hmm. to sort of you know criticize her hmm. right uh, and uh, famous karnataka cm sidramaiah who Congressman strongly uh, anti BJP also said no no this is very wrong she must be taught a lesson and all of that mm-hmm. and this is sedition I think he this actually said those mm-hmm. words I, 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 I think so I, I don't think so but anyway he sort of said no this is very wrong this is stupid whatever it is mm-hmm. the point was um, it it in a sense mirrored very closely what the Chief Minister of Karnataka also said mm-hmm. which which meant that on this particular I mean in as much as again we're in the thick of all the CAA and RC mm-hmm. disputes and in as much as there is that vast ideological chasm on that particular aspect. On this particular thing about why you shouting slogans, slogans in favor of Pakistan. I suppose it's a, it has to do with 
what the state should be able to do and what allowed to do right rather than yeah. just the identity as such in as much as maybe we have a gap on that identity aspect mm-hmm. of things mm-hmm. on the level of what the state should do to you know clamp mm-hmm. down on dissent and all of that mm-hmm. it seems as if the congress is also starting to mirror the bjp mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and the overton window is firmly shifted to mm-hmm. the right yes. and so. and uh, sir you we both are ca- card carrying political scientists you would remember <laughs> that rajni kothari when he formulated the congress mm-hmm. system the formulation basically has that there are going to be parties of consensus and parties of pressure, pressure. Mm-hmm. right so what is happening is basically there is like more consensus happening and even if the pressure emerges it is emerging in moving in the direction of the consensus that's right uh but one just want to take one step back uh we mentioned the four party system this is mm-hmm. we are in the fourth party yes. system right which is the bjp system i think uh what was kind of interesting or at least for a lot of us who sort of were following politics in the 90s and the 2000s was a sense that coalitions are here to stay hmm i wonder what happened to that uh was what 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 was that like a the the third party system so to speak huh. where you had coalitions forming the basis of governments hmm. you saw that happening at state levels hmm. i wonder what happened to that what what was that stage at which it shifted or changed and is it possible to put a specific date to it uh when it started and when it ended but were there larger mechanisms in that uh, how that happened so in some ways Mm. coalitions have still not ended okay. right even when bjp is winning single party majority at the national level mm. they are forming government mm. with their pre poll allies right. so i think in some ways the day of like you can win national majorities or state level majorities but even in states if you go yeah. uh if you had pre poll allies you are sort of like uh going with those pre poll allies because i think that like you don't want to lose them one there is electoral uncertainties yeah. two i think bjp or any other party realizes that this victory is also because of some of these pre poll allies yeah right mm. so bjp could not have imagined winning those number of seats mm-hmm. say in 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 uh, bihar mm. without having jdu as a pre poll ally okay right mm. or 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 uh, in up without having those smaller players smaller players yes uh, yeah. so some of these players like play a big role mm-hmm. now because in a, in the sense that at the state level we've seen that it's still around like in yeah. kerala or in tamil nadu we are we are ele- we are seeing the elections being fought by large hmm. coalitions not just hmm. one party they're led by coalitions but what is i guess where my so question so the reason huh? i think we thought that huh. given the congress party had declined yes and pre 2014 bjp was generally around 23 24% party yeah it was hardly present in one third of india yes given that we it was hard for us to imagine that mm. there would be a day mm. when the second party in in 2009 which was bjp, BJP yeah. is going to sort of like double uh, its seat tally yeah. and and more than, got, more than double yeah, more than double it, yeah, it yeah, got 118 yeah. seats right yeah, yeah. or or in 2004 okay. they had 138 seats so yeah. it's almost doubling yeah. the seat share i think mm. that was hard to imagine mm. for us mm-hmm. and so, and this is where sort of like uh political entrepreneurs like narendra modi come they, yeah. they basically change the rules of the game or yeah. or whatever we like in, in some ways they are not prisoners of the past they in some ways create hmm. uh, history okay. by their politics okay. okay so just one last point i think before we sort of uh, close this episode and i i know you had given this disclaimer right at the start that huh. this is not a future looking model huh. um but also that is historical but not future looking but we're going to be a little bit pro- to provoke you yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah. <laughs> just just to ask 
So how do you see this party system playing out? Where do you think the pressures will come from that might say change this? Like let's say it, and not not that maybe there is an immediate obvious example that it will go to, but what sort of pressures do you see that hmm. this party system model is being put under that might force a change? Uh, you know, to a fifth party system at some <laughs> point of time in the future, <laughs> what might be some of those internal contradictions of one of the things that it has to deal with that might that might help us sell when you know we're moving into something different? Hmm. No, so I I think uh, the reason I gave the disclaimer so that hmm. uh, people don't catch my neck and say you were saying that this is uh, like but but in the book yeah. we think about the future uh, okay. uh, we deal with the question of how ideological coalitions might look like in future mm. and what are the pressures that bjp is going to face mm. so bjp may be electorally dominant today but will it be dominant tomorrow or 2024 we don't know okay. it will lot depend and and in some ways what we are doing we are giving agency to political parties right mm. parties are active actors they are going to do things and that will change the dynamics of the thing so let me first talk about how what challenges bjp uh, is facing mm. the first challenge which is bjp facing and which which any dominant party faces it, mm. indira gandhi's congress also faced the first one is when you sort of like keep winning elections you bring in lot of players yeah. within your party mm. who are good uh, at winning elections yes. but they may not have like share similar ideological belief systems yes. right so there will be a point in time i don't know when uh that these sort of like electorally minded individuals and ideological war horses of the party are going to have a conflict yes. right so that's the first conflict the second conflict with bjp is going to face is what has been happening over a period of time since 1996 that bjp's hindu coalition is undergoing a massive transformation social it, transformation social, social transformation. transformation and much greater during modi's time so so bjp under Uh, Advani and Vajpayee was completely different what it is today. Today you have many more lower caste mm-hmm. voting for it, many more poor voting for it, uh, and many more regions voting for it. Yeah. Right? But what is happening if you look at the leadership structure, which I mean by basically MPs and MLAs and 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 chief ministers, it is still a largely a upper caste party. That's right. So yeah. Congress faced a similar dilemma in 1970s and 80s, which gave rise to many uh, regional parties, which is. we are voting for you mm. if we are not going to get representation we will surely look other ways right mm. so that's like how do you sort of like tackle this challenge so mm. that's the second challenge which bjp is going to face in fact the rise of the regional leader and the regional sartap as an idea <laughs> was a result of that dominant congress party which yes. did not represents the re- represent the wider interests of the voters that voted for uh, it absolutely absolutely so uh, the third one is 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 uh, is something to do with the delinking of the ideological coalitions okay so the the coalitions which brought bjp to the power mm. uh may have very different aspirations mm. and it is hard for any government i'm not just like sort of putting this everything on bjp hard for any government to fulfill the needs and aspirations of all segment right. so let me give you an ex- like mm. uh, interesting example which is not interesting but but sort of like see many youth like so youth is like the largest segment which votes for the bjp right uh the youth of the country had sort of like aspirations of job and development and other things 
that aspiration is not being met yes. on the other hand you still have people within the bjp and right wing fold who don't want the youth to celebrate valentines day or go out and have drink or date right yeah. so so if you continue to bring sort of like social curbs on them and not do anything for them on the economy in short run they might be sort of like voting for you because of like pulwama or bala court yeah. or national security crisis but you will not have these things happening every time mm. and so they are going to sort of like again look for other ways mm. uh, which is i think and some of the like my conversations with people in bjp suggest that they are aware that mm. post 2019 the youth which voted for them is getting dissatisfied right and 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 that could be sort of like another problem so so mm. the delinking of ideological coalition mm. similarly there is delinking of ideological coalition within the recognition framework also okay. uh, so you would see now because a large majority of of indian population is covered under the ambit of affirmative action mm. earlier those who opposed reservation mm. were also majoritarian mm. now you are also getting a segment uh which sort of like maybe opposing or supporting re- reservation for d- different reasons but may not show similar majoritarian tendencies mm-hmm. right especially like when you like are studying in college going to urban areas you are going to have friends across religious divide uh which is going to sort of like bring down uh, some of those things and so that may be another tension which bjp is going to face mm-hmm. yeah and i suppose that this sort of shows and just to sort of wrap up some of the very interesting things that we have discussed today i think this shows that uh, far from any set beliefs of exactly how indian politics works it is very fluid hmm. Um, hmm. it is Absolutely. very dynamic uh, people are not always firmly you know a bjp voter from the beginning to the end or anything like that there may be some people i mean i suppose uh like i think delhi almost always has 30% irrespective of what huh. happens who's standing huh. the 30% of delhi votes for bjp huh. uh but the, the the larger chunk of indian voters i think uh do vote ideologically yeah and, and can i can i make yes. a small and and this is why it is important see uh like there are large segments of any like in any country hmm. uh the middle is always the largest, largest right yes, mm-hmm. yes. so basically most of the time mm-hmm. in 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 two party competition or or in think of ideological space mm-hmm. the middle basically decides the election Elections, right yes. ideological mainstays are going to be where they are yeah, yeah. so what modi did is basically he offered ideology plus two something plus right yes Yeah. he basically convinced the yes. I, I, uh, ideological voters that you have to turn uh-huh. out yes. uh, and 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 then he brought new segments plus yeah. yes yes i think you're seeing that play out in the us election like anything right now mm-hmm. yeah. with the far right and the, the far, far left, left. Yeah. and and in, or far to... left or whatever it yeah. is in that yes. sense but uh, you can see that play out and the question is who's going to be able to move the middle Mid- towards yeah. themselves yeah. Yeah. so whether it's the democrats or the republicans yeah. and, 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 and we'll find out yeah. it <laughs> in a few months uh, but uh, no and, and this has been a fascinating discussion and no, i think thank you, Aldo. there are thank so you, many Sarin. so many things to take away and when we sort of see those results and try and make sense of it i think understanding how the party system works right uh, and how people are voting on ideological lines and i think yeah. somebody should come up with like an axis of ideology for uh, indians also you know <laughs> yeah. somebody should come up with like a question like and question I exactly a 30, a 30 i can see that yeah. principal component analysis doing itself yes. <laughs> but i want to know what those 8 10 what questions do, yeah, are what those 8 10 questions are mm. it'll be fascinating i think we'll have things related to reservations we'll have things related to temple entry 
I definitely think so. We'll have things related to uh, perhaps uh, nationalization of industries. We'll have things related to uh, uh, tax exemptions and things like that, which animate discussions. Beliefs in medical systems. Beliefs in medical systems. Why not? Uh, So, and and these are things I think uh, at some level uh, are the kinds of debates that happen in India and they happen in very different ways. So, I guess perhaps we need to find a different word from ideology for in the Indian context. Uh, and that will probably give us a best prediction. Uh, that's all we have time for this particular episode. Thank you so much, Rahul, once again for joining us. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back with more episodes shortly. Bye bye. Thank you, Sayu. Thank you, Alok. Thank bye. you. Bye.